Well, thanks for tuning in, downloading or streaming. This is the intro rap I like to do on the weekend. No peeking. Why? These uh, levels are even. Try to make it sound good when I'm rhyming or speaking. Unique and innovative. Those are words. So are everything I'm saying. Don't be absurd. What you heard? I don't know. Your ears are your business. But right now, that's where I'm living, isn't it? Yes, it is. I like beverages in the winter. Keep them around. Don't run out like a sprinter. Kinder surprise is a crappy chocolate plus a toy suck. I never got to get any good ones. Everything that I was seeing was pretty weird with a hint of European. You know what I mean. And I don't mean any offense, but I'd recommend giving them to no friends. Thesis is here. We'll be talking capers. I'm excited like I got a coffee maker, which I did. It only cost me 30 bucks. Nothing fancy. I'm only Bergie. Shucks. I'm only Bergie. Shucks. Congratulate yourself. You did great. You found this podcast and guys, it's a nice one. It's a very nice one. I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. It's nice. Bryce. Bryce likes rice. <laughs> that's my that's my new warm up that I'm doing. Bryce likes rice. <laughs> I don't know who Bryce is. I don't know why he likes rice. I don't know why I'm excited that he likes rice, but it's it's fun to say. Anyways, where was I? I'm Bergie, and I'm really glad you're here on the weekend with me. Thesis Sahib is definitely in the house today. James Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. Thesis Sahib, a.k.a. an artist by every definition you could come up with. He's a rapper, he's a graph writer, musician, painter, sculptor, installation installer, he's a zine maker, and he's one heck of a great podcast guest. Full disclosure, that's coming up in less parsecs than it takes to do a Kessel Run. Yes, son, the Force Awakens... Star Wars, you excited about that? You know I'm a little excited. Star Wars The Force Awakens. New trailer. What? Okay, now I'm just I'm just gonna say I no spoilers, but I really wanted the new Star Wars movie to be about Luke training Jedi on the forest moon of Endor. That way he could really explore the park side of the force. Eh? <laughs> it's a park side? It's too early. It's too early. There's never too early for Star Wars puns. Yes, that's truth. Truth in rhyme. Look, that rhyme I just could. I I did just get a new coffee maker. Uh, it was only thirty bucks. Not like I said, nothing fancy. I'm I'm a simple man. Although it's a hundred dollar coffee maker, and I got it for seventy percent off. And I'm telling everybody who listened, <laughs> this coffee it tastes. Tastes like a thirty cent coffee. Wait, tastes like a hundred cent coffee, but it's it's really thirty. It only cost me thirty cents. I, does that math work out? I I'm not sure. I, it's a weekend. I'm excited. My old pal thesis is here. Speaking of pals, big shout out to Peter Project who DJ'd uh, with me at the ROM. Had a big set at the ROM for Friday Night Live. That was awesome. Thanks to everybody at the ROM. It was interesting. It's the first green room I've ever been in where there was skeletal remains of a duck-billed platypus. That was in my green room. Very weird. Very weird. The ROM night was great. It was a way bigger to-do than I had expected. 
Friday Night Live, if you haven't been like myself, they open up the ROM, they serve drinks, they have food stands with all sorts of unique foods. Yeah, they had this uh, grilled sushi spam plate that everyone was was going nuts about. I, we get there and uh, had a bit of time to kill before the set. And so we went upstairs. I was with the Honey Badger. We had some friends of ours with us. And uh, Honey Badger uh, tried this Spam Sushi. She really liked it. She said it was kind of a dirty, dirty, delicious flavor. I had a grilled Spam. I don't. I had two rap shows to do that night because we were going to Rancho afterwards. I just didn't. I wasn't going to do the Spam Sushi. I didn't need any surprises later in the night is what I'm trying to explain. But it was interesting. They grill they grill the Spam right in front of you. Then they slap it in a uh, little rice with nori, wrap it up, and throw on a little bit of some sweet soy sauce. It, it actually looked pretty good. And they were calling it the love child of Spam and Sushi. So, yeah, I don't... I, the love child? I don't know. Love, what is a love child anyways? I always had a... I was had a bit of a jealousy issue with love children. Do they get more love? Is that if you're a love child? Do their parents, do they have to call their parents love father and love mother? <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. Love parenting, that's a lot of love. I'm just going to say it's a lot. You know, if you're in trouble, do you get love grounded? You get regular grounded. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> that's, that's important. But yes, Mili Sashimi, she loved it. She's got a great food blog if you wanna if you wanna follow that by the way. Check out MeliSashimi.com for amazing snack activities that I get to eat a lot. And I'm very, very lucky about that. So yes. The ROM was good. And then we went off to Rancho Relaxo for the $5 rap show. Of course, Outer Limit CD release, Swamp Thing killed it. They had a great set. The new album's great. If you haven't heard it, you can check. We sampled a track on last episode. Or go to Swamp Thing Raps and get it yourself. And, you know, go get all the other episodes. We had Grandpa Funny Book last time. That was a lot of fun. Nug's been on, Ghetto Sock, Sean Hatton, Dave Howlett. It's, we've had a lot of great, great guests. And we're just going to keep, keep going. I'm reading the emails. Thank you. We are definitely going to do a mailbag again soon so keep those coming weekend at burgies at gmail.com london london ontario coming your way december 23rd i'm happy to announce that i'm going to be playing at the christmas wrap this year it's tuesday december 23rd at the apk with swamp things sound minds more and exit only and our special guest today thesis sahib so london ontario i'm I'm really hoping to see you there. I always have a great time in London. Very excited to come back and rock with you guys right before uh, Christmas. Probably get at least one more episode in before the new year. I can't believe we got eight. This is eight. Episode eight already. Thesis Sahib is here. You know his painting. You know his music. You know him from Halifax or London or Brazil or San Francisco or France or anywhere around the globe. This man's an international man of mystery and excitement. He's just a lovable scamp and he's got some amazing stories. We're going to dig into a little bit of the Backburner history because Thesis was there at at the start. We're going to dig into art. We're going to dig into music. We're going to dig into life and the important questions. If you know Thesis, you know he's an amazing human. If you don't know Thesis, I think you might just love him after this. I'm very excited, and let's let's just stop talking about him, and let's talk with him. Eh? 
Yeah, I'm getting better at this, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. It's the weekend. Let's spend it with Thesis. definitely involved with like some alternative technology that was existing at the same time as the pyramids for sure do you remember for that sure. gi joe app i know you're a big joe which one are we talking about Let's you know go. that one where they had Let's the mayan robot oh yeah that looks like the head of that guy oh yeah oh undoubtedly like all everything i do is inspired by early gi joe <laughs> Everything I do, you know, <laughs> and like, that's why yeah, we're friends. Exactly, it's true. That, that's the reason why. Like, I don't know. There's just so many other things, but it just it filters into my life every single day, in most of my conversations, like with with what I do musically or or art or anything. It's all about either the cartoon itself and the weird subliminal messages that are going on, or the weird underground messages, or even just how the artwork messed with my, you know vision of design i guess or and and how the comic books were printed you know and, and the story of the comic books like everything and even like you know about the writer of the comics like everything is just like it's all like that cartoon and comic has completely like shaped my life in so many ways that it's strange way more than any other cartoon like, like, I mean, a million times. What a secret. The secret life of <laughs> Thesis Sahib. <laughs> secret <laughs> adventures of Thesis Sahib. Secret adventures, dude. Who knew? Who knew? I knew. I mean, I know a good you person. Know. When I when I'm like, I find out, oh, you're a G.I. Joe fan, that explains that it. That explains everything. <laughs> and some people don't get it. I mean, you know, neither of us went into the, the military. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it was kind of right. like, well, either become, you know, an indie Canadian artist or join the military. I think that seems to be the, the trajectory of G.I. Joe fans. Yeah. Do you actually, do you know <laughs> a lot like of fans hardcore. who joined the military because of yeah, it? Oh, I have, man, fr- see, yeah. I, I know, I know yeah. a lot of guys in the okay. military who were Joe fans. Yeah. Wow. And, okay. Uh, and like some guys I grew up with, and then some other other rappers who who love Joe and right. To me, I was drawn by this is a team. These are all specialists. Everybody adds something to it. And that's the other thing. I always I didn't really think of it as USA. I just thought it was you know North America. Yeah, the North America. Well, there's. <laughs> I just thought they were like saving the world. You know what I mean? Like all the exactly. time. They're like they're in some crazy desert that's probably not in America. You know, half the yeah. time or something, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, where is this? It's like the Middle East or something, you know what I mean? Or like, or the next minute they're in Scotland or something like that. And yeah. I was like, hey, yo, I, my parents are all Scottish. This is crazy. I re- oh, yeah, weird. Maybe That's- they knew a guy who had a Cthulhu in his basement. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, was that Destro's family? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was Destro's family. And like, closet. he's related to Lady J or something too, though, which is another weird thing. Yeah, but that whole weird. thing where they wore the masks, I mean, basically. The masks. Okay. Yeah. So this is the whole thing too that's weird for me is that. That, like basically Destro is sort of in a way basically a Mason, right? You know, yeah, and this yeah. kind of weird thing. My parent my dad's actually a Mason. And same with his dad and my uncle and all these people are like Masons in my family. <laughs> and I'm like listening to shapeshifters, you know, like, yeah, like yeah. all this stuff where like Masons are horrible and all this kind of <laughs> stuff like that. Like but then like I've in the last bunch of years I've really got into like totally looking into it and getting into conspiracy stuff. Basically because of science fiction and because of rap, you know what I mean? And like when I first heard Shapeshifters, it ties it all together, that kind of thing, you know, and that's what I was trying to rap like. But then finding out everything and then going back and like watching G.I. Joe the movie and being like, 
oh my God, this is the most amazing thing. So this whole cartoon that everybody's like, oh, it's about war, it's dumb, or whatever, this kind of stuff like that. It's almost like the movie proves that it's way deeper or something. You know, there's the this cartoon un- movie. The cartoon movie. Yeah. The cartoon movie. Sorry, guys. It's Cobra Law. Yeah, the Cobra <laughs> Law thing. So, yeah. Which is a very polarizing <clears throat> film for a lot of fans. Massively. Some people massively. hated it. It yeah. drew a line in the sand. I loved it. Cobra Law, exactly what you're saying. It f- it flipped it all around. It, it was like everything I knew or thought I knew is a lie. Right. Yeah, exactly. Look, all of a sudden, Cobra is actually kind of good. They're basically just a bunch of beings who existed before humans. And when the Ice Age hit, they have to hide underground. And the Ice Age hits. And then they're doing well living underground. But then they come back up and find out these monkeys evolved into like these people who are destroying the Earth. So they're like... We got money underground. We're going to dig all these golden rupees out. We're going to go and try and like form this other situation that's going to change the world. But instead, it's like Cobra Commander's in charge. He screws everything up because he kind of like, but he was an awesome scientist before. But I don't know. He's just like a moron. But I like, love your perspective that it, Cobra is actually good because yeah. they're like, well, these humans ruined the earth. Yeah. So they're super environmentalists, which I, I, I never really thought of that angle of well, Cobra. And everything, law. I mean, it, it could explain the, you know, the crazy mutant spore genocide they. <laughs> tried to enact but that's like a final that's like, yeah. but I feel like that's like a final step because like even when you watch them it's like they even say like they developed technology out of inorganic matter right that's like Globulus is saying that but it's like you see Cobra Law sick, and they're like driving sick. they're driving around inside gigantic bugs like pulling their nerves you see the part where he's pulling the guy the bugs nerves to make them turn left or something like that I'm like dude they're living I mean maybe that's kind of mean to do a bug to a bug but like maybe that's better than making a car no but these you know guys I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean like that's <laughs> better than making a car. Better for the environment. Yeah, exactly. The bugs. Wow, well, those you know pull a bug's nerve. You know, you're flying like, on methane. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. I love it. I love it's, that you know this. Yeah. I love that we can talk about this. Then, <laughs> I know. It's like, I don't know. What I, dude, I, I, I hang out with people and I start talking about this after a couple of beers and they're just like, all right, we got to go. <laughs> or they're like, we got to stay. Yeah, exactly. but, I think that's, but, you just but, described half the podcast right. audience right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just turned it off. They're like, this weekend sucks for Burglar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. I tuned out. He's got thesis yeah. on board. Let's just turn this episode off. It was off. not what I expected. A yeah. whole bunch of Joe. Yeah. But you did mention the masks mm-hmm. and Destro having the masks mm-hmm. and you having the Mason connection. And masks are a big part about your art. So anyone who knows your art, right? did you start painting masks or it, it just became a, a, a growth of, of your artistic I mean, honestly, endeavors? to tell you the truth, like the first artwork I made was drawings of all the helmets. Of like, I mean, not just GI Joe, Joe helmets. All GI Joe, all GI Joe, like you know, uh, all the all the some Cobra great commanders. Helmets. Looking back you know, at those toys, you're like those yeah, are some unreal. cool helmets. You know what? Who I really liked was um, the one dude who drove the uh, the fire bat that came out of the terror terrodrome or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the AVAC was really cool. The AVAC yeah, guy, yeah. All those guys, and like, I mean, also I used to like their weapons, but like, you know, more their masks, and then. Um, you know, of course, Star Wars, all that other stuff, but like even weirder stuff. Like Doctor, I was a big Doctor Who fan since sure, I was a little sure. kid. I um, mean, even the way the Daleks looked. You know, like um, any bad guy from from like Doctor Who. You know, um, and classic Cybermen is it's a bit of a weird design. It almost yeah. reminds me of Metropolis. Oh, dude, good call. Yeah, like yeah. that face, the silver. It's humanoid, but vapid or something yeah yeah it's simplified yeah it's just basics it's got the holes to see and a mouth and then you know it's shaped uh 
It's yeah, creepy. It's, it's it's cre- and the Cybermen and the Daleks are very similar to C three PO and R two D two in oh, a weird wow. way when you oh, look wow. at it like that. Dude, I never even kind of one yeah. with is round with no legs and the other is sort of robotic and has these strange stiff stilted movements. Yes, yeah. All Just making some connections. Of, all of the bad guys though are based off of Nazis, basically. You know what I mean, <laughs> they all want the supreme race. That's you right. Know? And then even tra- even uh, Cobra and stuff is the same thing you know it's like absolutely almost, you know growing up i always wondered once because i i loved indiana jones too and with the oh, nazis yeah. and stuff and yeah, just yeah. not to dwell on gi joe too much but no. that comparison to the nazis is really it's cool that you see that too because i don't think other than storm shadow everyone on cobra was a white guy yeah. there was one Dude, black totally cobra right. soldier in one episode what but yeah. i'm pretty sure it was just an right. all-white operation. I think you're told- yeah, and if you think about it, the Japanese and the Nazis kind of Dude. were part of the Axis at one Seriously. point, right? So Seriously. I always wondered, is there something there? Is Cobra subtly... Because G.I. Joe was di- a diverse or- organization. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. It was worldly. At least more so yeah. than than Cobra. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if that was the case, you know? But I don't know, man. Yeah, it's it's super... I find, I find like, what I, for some reason, I find World War II extremely interesting like watching i walked i watched documentaries about it. i don't know why i find that stuff interesting well it's like, very interesting this is a yeah. horrible time period time even period. the occult of the nazis too that's what i find really i've been mm-hmm. watching a lot of things about that lately and that reminds me of all these ideas of like some of the gi joe stuff too and how that and fits indiana in. jones as well right totally totally because the ark of the covenant the nazis yeah. were constantly there's captain america comics too uh early like hitler i mean the Red Skull was uh, a, a project of the Nazis. Right, yeah. So, again, through history, definitely through our generation growing up reading comic books and cartoons and movies, yeah, the Nazi influence was definitely there in all the villains. Mm-hmm. And it still it still is. Actually, what's interesting, too, is the whole idea of where the Masons evolved from is from the Knights Templar. Yeah, Who were, like, course. hired by, I think it was a French, who was, like, connected to the Pope, like a king who was connected to the Pope in France, hired these... Knights Templar to go and find, I guess, the Holy Grail and, mm-hmm. and the secrets of what all that stuff. And and as far as I understand, they found out <clears throat> a lot of stuff about like the sacred geometry and different ideas that are connected to like even a lot of Muslim stuff. Um, and as this is as far as I understand, but it's all connected in some weird way. And it's you know, and also this idea of like this uh, these people who supposedly were connected to this like shape-shifting thing from these like pharaohs and all this kind of stuff like that you know and 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 then also connect that down to like you know these they were supposedly these like kind of like lizard shape-shifter kind of things of course and connect that to the G.I. Joe like these underground civilizations that had this like higher ability but then you got like Zartan too the shape-shifter kind of thing who worked for Cobra it's in everything all this, it's so it's you, see, you, you see it in everything yeah, I see it everywhere you know and going to the Knights Templar connection mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The rumor is that the Holy Grail may be buried in Oak Island, if it's a real thing. Have you heard that no, theory? No, no, Oak Island in Nova Scotia. What? People have been trying to dig up the treasure there for okay. hundreds of years, and it's an elaborately constructed... They found where something is buried, and they don't know if it's old pirate treasure or what it is, but someone came there hundreds of years ago and built an elaborate series of booby traps that keep filling up with sand and water every time they dig. And there's some really, really interesting, there's some documentaries on it, there's books about it. But the largest theory is that it's the Holy Grail. 
is buried there. That's amazing. Or whatever That's that amazing. is. It's believed that the Knights of the Templar found this on the furthest regions. Like they came over and found North America and and buried this. Well, because you know where the Knights there. Templar fled to was where they could actually hide where they weren't found was in Scotland, right? And over, I guess, in Ireland too, right? So all these people were, that's where the descent, that's where like the Knights Templar could be where they couldn't be properly caught and all this kind of stuff like that. So they formed all these, there's not just Masons, there's like Freemasons, there's other offshoot groups too. And then Nova Scotia being New Scotland, New that's Scotland. very interesting. It's very interesting because huh. that's where I met you. Yeah. It all comes back to Nova Scotia. Scotia. Nova Scotia. <laughs> there's pounds being given right now. <laughs> Real actual pounds here on the at, weekend. At Burgies on the weekend. Weekend time with Thesis <laughs> Sahib. Nova Scotia. So you came out to Nova Scotia when around two thousand, the early two thousand. I came out. Um, I came. I, I came out earlier than that to visit some people, like some my graffiti crew at the time. And actually, I was connected. I was talking to Buck sixty five at the time, and I was talking to six two because they played some shows in London around like ninety seven or whatever. So I came out around ninety eight of the, of the Sebitones. That was it for sure. Yeah. yeah, and I did this album cover for Buck at the time. That's right, was, Synesthesia, uh, right? No, actually, that was later. I did one earlier too, which, um, which was the first language arts oh, that came out. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. on cassette. Cool. So I did that back then. So I came out to visit, like, and you know, do some graffiti and stuff like that. And actually, some kids that I was going to high school with were visiting the art school out there, and that was around ninety eight. So I went out and checked it out, and basically the the NASCAD NASCAD University out there, the art school was. Like like a bigger version of my high school, which was like this tech school that had an art department and the art department was being torn down that year. In London, Ontario. In London, Ontario. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so I came from London to Halifax to visit and I was like, I love Halifax. This is the best. So actually that was probably 97. I echo that sentiment. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I was just there, you know, which we should talk about in a minute too. But um, I fell in love with Halifax and I moved there in 99 to go to, and that was like, my excuse basically is go to art school. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I was there doing art school, but I was basically there in the hip-hop scene, you know, writing graffiti, writing, you know, painting a million trains and, like, hanging out and just being a maniac, you know, going to art history classes, too, at the same time. But, and you this, know, just making tons of work. The you scene know? was just, it was so alive there. And so I mean, real. I remember it so well in, in, in high school. I mean, I was right in high school, just finishing high school around that time. The goods, Techichi, yeah, like... Of course. Um, all well, yeah, Sebutones I mean, were blowing were up. And, the, yeah, yeah, the graph scene was crazy. Oh, there were Fatso, a lot of other Fatso, HW, Lope. Yeah. There were so many. Child Lope. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I just, see, I yeah. just hung out with a lot of these dudes two minutes ago, too. But those, were my, those were my boys back then, so too. Much, so much. there's everywhere you turn, yeah. I remember all the spots where there were just, just dope, dope pieces mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. That era is forever embedded oh my into my brain. Unreal. And yeah. I remember sort of hearing about you before we met, just through kind of mutual friends and just kind of hearing about Likewise, you. Likewise, yeah. Uh, and I think because I met you in the comic book store because I was working at Strange oh, Adventures. Yeah, yeah, and I remember yeah, you came yeah. in and you, you, we knew some mutual friends and, mm -hmm. and you were talking about rap and G.I. Joe and stuff. And I think you had heard of the Dregs, which was my crew. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really like, I think it was from, uh, from Jesse. Probably, yeah. Jesse. Over yeah. at Kilgore's house. Yeah. 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 Because, uh, yeah. I want to get into that. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah, sorry. Because yeah, yeah. the, no, the genesis of the burner, which you were, right. You were right there for. Yeah. And I feel like, when the burner started, you were you were there, the ground floor. Like, well, I mean, it's kind of that stuff. Yeah, like one of the first things is like for any backburner fans listening. Yeah, you're gonna, like this is the guy. <laughs> this is like, it. Oh, yeah. You're the guy. I mean, you you guys started this thing that we're all now a big big part of. Right. And 
it's not really touched on that much. I don't no, think that it, I don't think a lot of people know actually no. where it all started. And it's really interesting because actually it's so funny how some of the key players like, you know, came in at different times and made like really important things happen, you know? Um, I first met Fester at this club called Tribeca. But I used to go in there because um, 6-2 used to spin records. And 6-2 ended up living with me just a little bit after that. Um, in this crazy house, which is a whole other story. It was like this graffiti household, basically. It was like I was at graffiti, that house. I remember, and I think I camp. heard about you from him. Originally. Okay, yeah, okay. before we met, yeah, yeah. So I used to go there, and like he'd show me pictures of trains from across Canada and his. Man, travels. that's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. So that was like this. So that that became this like graffiti sleepover camp. But basically, I ended up going to Tribeca to see Rob spin, and that was like the night where we go and me and my old. Like my old roommate Jeremy, we would just get drunk and go there, and we'd go with like Fatso or whatever. We meet up with some some kids down there, and uh, I met Fester, and me and Fester just started kicking lots of freestyle. Like we we just meet up every what was it Saturday nights I think, and we would just sit there and kick freestyles, and we were like, let's start a group. He's like, you got to come over to my friend's house. I was like, let's start a group, and we we're like, okay. So I went over to this friend of his house, who's Kilgore. You know, and over Fresh there, kills. Of, of course, yeah. And over there <laughs> we is just went by Kilgore on everything back then. Yeah, actually, you know what? Weird enough, back then he called himself PhD. What? Yes, I know, Dude. I know, because he was like, "I'm gonna go for my PhD." <gasps> you got the you got the Big Talk album. <laughs> I feel like I'm on the Nardwar show. Yeah, You're like buddy, pulling yeah. out CDs over here. You know, here. that's what we do. I oh had to do. I don't want to interrupt. I just pulled out Big Talk, which were you're gonna explain to me what this record is. Well, basically, it's the it's the first Backburner it's album. It's the first it's Backburner the official. album. official. And Kilgore, so you met Kilgore. Yeah, This wow. is the genesis. I'm taking the yeah, back yeah. by this, I have to say, homie. Um, I Open got, it up and look at this CD. So the artwork is beautiful. Is it, who, is it Pete? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who drew the fuck oh, Pete Diamond. Pete Diamond. Who's in Europe Amazing now, artist. Doing yeah. amazing art over there. Is he yeah. Europe or is it the Netherlands or something? He's doing crazy I'm stuff. I'm not sure. Yeah, I haven't seen Which him Which is weird because Pete Diamond's really good friends with my friend Jesse Jacobs, who now lives in London. He's this comic book artist who used to live in Halifax for a short while. He's from New Brunswick. It's just it's weird how it's all Halifax connected. connection. It's we got a lot. Unreal. We got we to gotta figure unreal. out that how that works. Well, yeah, okay. There's it, a lot of goes on. Oh, we got it. Yeah, it goes on. But so, but look at that CD. Yeah. It's a burned it's gold a burned. CD. Yeah. And that's how CDs were back then. It's a Max L, man. That was, uh, <laughs> that's just how you did it. That's just how you did it. So this they didn't is even have blanks. They didn't have. They didn't even have just the blank CDs. Like that, that was a specialty. You know, like I mean, like, just, I remember the. Yeah. I remember when kids first had burners. Oh yeah, It'd be like, a weekend to burn one CD. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the Sebutones, well, yeah, Rich and Rob, I've, I got that first Sebutones album on CD, and it was because I think Rob had some connection in Truro at the school there where he could go up on the weekend and he'd just camp out there all weekend and burn CDs. Rob always has the connection. Yeah, it was crazy. Rob's always working it. So yeah. you met you met Fess. He takes yeah. you to Kilgore's, Kilgore's house. Takes me to Kilgore's. Who's there? But this guy Process and Frank Process, Deluxe, the Dirt, the dirt roads. roads, and Frank Deluxe was there. And then so we would Original sometimes verbal Frank Deluxe. Exactly the verbals, man. And so he was telling me all about the verbals. He's like, my homies, you know, they're the best. All right, they're from the Newfoundland. best. Yeah, from Newfoundland. From Newfoundland. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So basically, I spent from that day on. I spent at least you know the weekend or three nights a week, you know, going to either. Kilgore's house to freestyle or Frank Deluxe who used to live I think he used to live with Pro no Fester no I think him and Process used to live together and we, I used to go to one of those houses where those guys were in Jabba the Cut was there Jabba the Cut and that's, shout out he's shout actually out. related to Process he's actually like they're cousins. cousins yeah they're cousins yeah. yeah and then 
And then haven't seen that man in a long time. Oh He's man, a cool dude, nicest Seri- guy, best dude out. Like fresh out the package. That oh, guy's yeah. amazing. I love him. He's amazing. So, um, yeah. So you know, so three nights a week or whatever. Like basically all the time, I'd be either going to Kilgore's to record, or I'd be hanging out at one of those guys' houses. And this was when Kills was on Shabakdo, right? Was this before yes. Shabakdo? Wait, the blue, the the weird house where he lived in the basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was like actually Pete Diamond lived there. And Pete yeah, Diamond, and did the guy who did the artwork Dex for the first. Well? I don't think Dex lived in that house, did he? He might have for yeah. a moment. I'm gonna check with Kills and okay. we'll, uh, yeah, because Kills will be coming on. Jeez, we'll do know. some chats. Yeah, we're gonna geez. cover this. There's Fact gonna be a series of these episodes that, where I want to definitely touch on the origins. You got to touch on it, basically. Dude. This is, you know, and Beat Mason, of course. Speaking of which, I was Mason. hanging out with Beat Mason just in, like on the. Oh, I, was, ah, uh, I was walking through this alleyway. All of a sudden, Beat Mason was like, "Yo, thesis." I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> Beat Mason in an alley. Yeah, and I was, it actually <laughs> turned out to be the Backburner Studios. That's but yeah, we actually tagged the shit out of the Backburner Studios a little bit too amazing. much. We were pretty messed up, so. But it was good. <laughs> just tagged the hell out of it. I like, got it. Yeah. I all I remember is Beat there. Mason saying like. I said you could tag that one square, and like then, the, <laughs> then all this whole stairwell is wrecked. But oh, that anyways, stairwell is yeah. the better for it. Yeah, yeah. So you're yeah. you're doing these freestyles with Fess, yeah, and kills, and then you guys decided to start working on stuff because that big talk CD. The reason I brought that out, right, 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 right. that like you said, is the first, to my knowledge, it's the first back burner. Album. It is. It I is, think definitely. does that predate Dirt Roads because there was the Dirt Roads. Dirt Roads was happening during this time, but like, yeah, it's not the first thing that ever came. So, up. what was happening at that time? Who was well, around? Like the Verbals, see, Dirt Roads, yourself, and Kills, and then Jesse and Ginsu came in because they were in the Sentinels, right? And I met Jesse kind of a little bit like after things were starting to kick there. And people were like, Jesse Dangerous, you got to meet him. And I was like, this guy is a weirdo. Like, Jesse came <laughs> over and I was like, who is this weirdo? We but love like, Jesse. We in love two him. seconds, I was like, oh, this weirdo's my best friend ever. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we're like, we're like hugging and hanging out on a stairwell, kicking raps. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it yeah. was like, it was like, this guy's amazing. Well, it was so, a great, it was a great community of sort of the oddballs of Halley underground hip hop, really. Yeah. Actually, you want to know the first time I saw Jesse was him dancing at a, at a, at a show, and I was like, "That guy is a that guy's totally a weirdo." Like, I want to be friends with him. He's so weird. You know what I mean? I was like, "This guy's dancing all crazy," and I think he had pigtails. And I was like, "I want to kick it with this dude." And then all of a sudden, I showed up at Kilgore's, and he's in the basement rapping. And I'm like, "This dude raps crazy." I was like, yeah. "Let's hang out." And he's like, "Super tight, homie." Till this till this very second, you know, totally. just right from there, you know. So it's it's really weird. And I knew, well, I knew the dirt roads. I knew Fess yeah. and, and uh, Process, and I knew Jesse, and those are the guys who brought me in. Yeah, okay, okay. Because when I was when Mason and I were ready to record our first, when I was first doing my solo stuff after the dregs, I kind of realized, yeah, the crews were not really as serious as you. as serious as yeah. I wanted to be. Yeah. And I was like, well, I guess I'll try doing some solo tracks. Yeah, and Mason and I, uh, I needed a place to record at the time and uh yeah jesse was like i know this guy kilgore and you know blah 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 and then that's when i got introduced and i kind of knew jay busy a bit too and and yeah that's kind of how it all grew from that totally right? and I, I remember them in talking to me about sj before word burglar yeah like yeah. you know and then you made this song which i think with that that was like at the time of me like leaving or i was coming back as soon as i moved out of halifax i was back like all the time like yeah. i come back like three or four times a year like i do actually you know it's, pull of halifax. it's it's got this magnetic thing it just anyways uh and i just remember like hearing new things and actually when i left is 
is right when um I'm kind of skipping ahead here, but that's right when like socks kind of moved to Halifax yeah, yeah, yeah. too. So like I almost like missed the beginning of socks there. But I remember coming back and being like, "Whoa, he's got up with all his graffiti and stuff like that." Oh, that's cool. Like, and I'd met him like several times through graffiti and rap. But I remember them telling me, "Oh, well that that SJ guy made this song called the Word Burglar." And I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember also that's the, where it started. Yeah, yeah, I remember the conversation also being like he's not sure to make that his name or to keep SJ or this, you know what I mean? I remember even like those conversations yeah, going on. Yeah, and, and that was the cool thing back then. People were interested in what each, and actually cared. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause, cause saw what buck 65 was doing and saw the success him and, and Rob had had. And like, it's possible to go do some cool stuff. Let's go do it. Little did we know the MP3 world was coming to also crush our dreams in a lot of ways, but, <laughs> but it still made us push really hard and think that something's going to happen eventually. We were but, ready to camp out all weekend burning CDs. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. For me personally, um, like I was, I was trying to record, uh, the rest of the the Bending Mouth album through Kilgore. Right. I was also weirdos. Bending Mouth weirdos, you man. Hang out with BMW. Some weirdos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love which, those weirdos. Which is me and self help and like a whole slew of like other producers that are I don't know. We they they tailored this album to our sound and it was like really really it's a great cool. record. Civilian produced on that. Civilian too, produced right? on that, which is amazing. I think that's weird. when I first heard Sav actually. And, and Civilian was sort of like he yeah exactly. And then he had the whole Creature Box thing going, but like was almost kind of out of the picture there for a minute, and then came back with the. Um, I was a big fan of the Creature Box, but now yeah. with the whole Swamp Thing thing, so swamp. it all comes full circle. It's a, I mean, self help basically introduced I think civilian to toolshed well, in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah, and we've all so. he's got a new record coming out as Rift. That's yeah. With Sav. That's oh man, dropping. I can't wait to hear Carry that. The fire. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And it's yeah, yeah, that we've all come together and known each other so long because this is now we're talking. This was. 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. Which yeah. is just wild. Yeah. It's just wild. It's <laughs> wacky and wild. It's out of control. So you're working on the Bending Mouth Weirdos record. Yeah, and also kind of working on the Wartime Theme Songs album on the side, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. And then you brought in Toolshed. Right. And that's when I met, because I met right. Toolshed through you, and okay. we all became homies. And No, when's the first time you met Toolshed? I think it was actually when you were on tour with Bluebird. Okay. And, and the Verbals and Jesse. And okay. there was a show there and Creature Box, that yeah. sort of famous show at the Comfort Zone in Toronto. Okay, you were already back here. I was in at Toronto okay. at the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cause, and I believe that's when I first met Timmy and Choke. Okay. And, okay. And and Cybo. And then through and then because we did some tours together and we went to London and then obviously now we're all best friends. So. Well, that was the thing. So every summer <laughs> I basically started booking shows. Yeah, you were for the, the whole crew. You were booking up all the. So tours. I was like, all right. I was always telling these guys in London that I was working with, which is like Toolshed and and self help and stuff. I was like, you got to meet these guys in Halifax and actually Matt Labatt too. And Matt yep. Labatt even came out to Halifax to meet up with uh, Kilgore and work with him early on too. Malibat's right? And, and the yeah. whole crew. Malabat came out and Malabat's basically responsible for my first album. I forget now how it went, but basically for four summers I booked tours and I brought in the first one it was like I brought uh Dirt Roads and Fresh Kills and The Verbals I The think. Verb mm, yeah, I think the Verbals were in there for the second one. Maybe I forget, but oh yeah, and Six Two came on one of them, like for half of the tour Dope. or something like that. And like we ended up playing at like weird skate shops or in a bowling alleys, like just weird places, so you, you know, did. Like, yeah. kind of like, you know, in like sleeping in dangerous and uncomfortable places, which I still do. <laughs> you know, I never that never I remember changes. sleeping on floors oh. and stairwells. <laughs> yeah, stairwells, we, exactly. We, <laughs> exactly. I think I can sleep on these stairs. There's only like 
like six of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We played in Woodstock. Not to get sidetracked. What was that oh, place yeah. in Woodstock? We I think it was on called On the Rocks. It was On the Rocks. The guy, and Woodstock. the guy was actually selling rocks in the background. <laughs> like he was actually. That's how he was keeping. That's how we got paid so well. It wasn't because of our, you know, our draw of fifty people. There were some cool you know? kids we met at that show, and some guys drove from the states. I remember mm-hmm. for that. We were like, mm-hmm. how do you know about? This? I don't. Yeah, it was yeah. weird. There was bizarre things happening. Bizarre there always things. is. But I mean, like it was weird for back then. So, so there you go. People may not know that Thesis Sahib was the the tour organizer, and you were you kept that glue together. And I mean, I bonded like we did a bunch of those tours here. We played Peterborough at the Trashateria oh, and some great London shows. Oh, uh, Toronto. I think there was one show in Toronto where I didn't even have a voice. Like Jesse, yeah. I didn't have. We lost yeah. our voices. We played yeah. at Sneaky D's for something. I think that's when everybody was really coming into their own. Yeah. So you were dropping, yeah, you dropped wartime theme songs, mm-hmm. which has some of my favorite songs of yours cool. ever. Thank on. You, Lady dude. Bird was on that, right? Cool. Tin Man dude. Shoes. Yeah. Theo Sasquatch. Word. Who's that was Theo Sasquatch? Was that sort of your like a superhero version of you or just a character? <laughs> was he a painting? I feel like he was one of your characters. It's that based you off of actually like I had not gone to Brazil at the time yet when I wrote that album. But in Brazil, they have a style of graffiti there called pichadores. And they're like these really like hardcore graffiti kids. And they, they're like, you know, a lot of them actually are, well, I mean, even like a lot of people are living like on, like, you know, below poverty and stuff like that. And they, they write graffiti with whatever they can. And it's either mud sometimes or paint, you know, like a paint with tar with mud or whatever. And they do this really crazy stuff. They're like, they'll climb up surfaces. They, like I have, I have these. Like I went to like this. Anyways, I got, I've got like weird video footage of these guys doing this style of graffiti, and it's unreal. They like will smash out windows and use the frames as ladders and stuff like that. Um, they don't know. They their origin has nothing to do with North American graffiti whatsoever. It was actually started out as like people who were like rock band fans, and they would like write. They used to take like the lettering from like. Iron Maiden album covers or different things like that supposedly like this weird but they've developed this strange language out of it um, like for instance one crew is called Escadal which is like like ladder to the sky or something like that but they make a human ladder that's the other thing too they do they make a human ladder and the one guy will the crew leader will go up and like go on the top and write the name of the crew but there was this one guy and I, I guess he he was the most famous graffiti guy and like his his patent would be that he would go up and uh, he'd write his name on the top of the building and then light the building on fire and leave. And then <laughs> as many times as possible, he would try and be there for the when the TV crew showed up to be like the interviewer, the guy who gets interviewed. Like, yeah, I was just standing here and there's a guy and he wrote his name up there and like, and it was always him. So it's incredible. Yeah, and he was wanted by the police, you know, you know. And what so, was his name? I, I, I think he wrote D. D? D-I, like, I think, D-I, just okay. D-I. Um, I, that's what I recall. It was like, this is a story I learned from this guy, Sonic, who wrote about my friends, the Os Gemios in Brazil, and he had this crazy story about them. So, And he's the reason I went to Brazil, and he's the reason why I became friends with uh, with the twin. Well, And how did you, you hear know? about him? Because you were doing a lot of graffiti <laughs> I was doing in a lot Canada. Of graffiti, yeah. You were trained, you were hopping fences, you were getting up on walls, you were all over the place. Just I remember bad. a few wild times. Yeah, yeah that being bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, uh... Well, like he wrote for a magazine called 12 Ounce Profit. And then he came to one of those jams, the under pressure jams that we were on yeah. tour. And I remember 6 2 was there. And I remember we all went out for dinner. And Sonic came with us. And we just hung out and kicked it and became friends. And then 
he was like, come to Brazil with me. I was like, yeah, right. Really? And then I was, because I was going to NASCAD, I like, I kind of played NASCAD a little bit in this like way that basically every summer I just got to do like an interdisciplinary like thing. And I just went on tour and like just did graffiti and just showed them pictures after. And, but this, you were doing real art. I, I think that's a win-win for everybody. Well, th- well, thank you. But you know, and it's like, that's yeah. what I do. You know what I mean? And that's what I'd still do. And I make a living off of my whole weird, uh, you know, situation. I don't even know how it is, but it's, it's just incredible. out of thin air. I want to get like, into that weird yeah, situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get into that. Too, exactly. It's a lot of it. So yeah, I met, I met, I met him through that. And then, yeah, so I did this weird thing where, uh, um, I, I was trying to do an exchange through NASCAD to go to the San Francisco art Institute. And then they were like San Francisco art Institute, like, Oh yeah. I had already rented out my apartment, got like some grant, like wrote some grant, got some money from the school. The faculty was all cool with it. They're like, yeah, you can do this. You can do this exchange. And then the school in San Francisco was like, actually, we're not working with you anymore. NASCAD. Sorry. And then I was like, well, what the hell am I supposed to do? I have a place out there I'm staying at. And the guy's like, just go to San Francisco and just do this presentation when you come back and do what you want to do. And I'm like, okay. And then that day I got an email from Sonic saying, come to Brazil. Like and so it would have been right before San Francisco. So I was like, hell yeah! So I'll go spend like a month in Brazil, month and a half or whatever it was, and just paint graffiti every day. This guy Sonic just like was like, we're gonna have graffiti boot camp. You're gonna come. We're gonna paint, and it and comes just, back. And then Theo Sasquatch came out of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Theo Sasquatch came out of the story that that Sonic had written even before I met him, which is super funny. That's yeah. Yeah. So sorry. Yeah. No, I'm just short I'm story. Trying, real long. I'm connecting long. the dots. No, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful story. Yeah, I love that kind of. Thing. <laughs> Great. I got thesis here, <laughs> hanging out on the weekend. Where kids listen are like, "What? They're very lucky right now." And this is because you're a world traveler. I haven't seen you in, in a couple months. I think the last time we hung out was at a rap show. Oh, probably man. that's this is when all we, get we ever hang like out. We were saying, it's just, yeah, it's and it's good to hang out. Just be here and talk. And it's amazing, out. actually, because we never get to do this. I don't get yeah. to do this with any, like even the tool shed. You know, those are my homies from London. We used to sit around and, you know, we'd talk about other things. You know what I mean? But yeah. like, you know, but now it never, anytime I ever see them, it's just at shows, which is just the reality of it's it. Kind of one know? of the main but reasons I wanted to do this podcast. Word. So. Oh my God. You're pulling that. I am on the Nardware show. <laughs> One thing I wanted to say, and I just like, I have to put this out there, man. Your uh, Rap Viper song. <laughs> is actually pretty much my favorite song. Thank you. It man. just relates to my. It just like like I I don't know like I don't know. It's it's I can't even explain it. How much it it's so perfect. Oh, thanks. Like man. everything you talk about, like like it's every for you. Point. It's for people who it really is. get. I think <clears throat> it's designed for me. It's it, you know. Yeah. It's it's for you. I did it like that record. <clears throat> I, I don't I would I don't want to dwell on it, but yeah, I. Uh, that was for me and like my homies, and it was the rap album that I would have wanted when I was eleven or twelve I was years just about old. To say, and just yeah. trying to make it as do it as much justice as I could possibly do it. So the fact that you get it, and I know you're like a super head when it comes to that stuff. Mm-hmm. That is just like the biggest reward I could get. So Word. I'm glad, man. I'm glad because it was too much fun. It's too unreal. Fun. That's a weird thing, though. Sometimes I my reality check or like when I'm sometimes like, Oh, this sucks. I got to go to Toronto to go to this damn art fair, which I'm here for that. And I'm excited about the art fair, but I'm also like grumpy about it for two seconds. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I got to get up early and go to this thing or whatever, you know? But like, you know, or like I get mad. I'm like, I got to write a damn grant, you know, which isn't fun at all, you know? But, but like I go, okay, wait a minute though. I look at my life and I go, 
if I was like, you know, 11, 12 or whatever, what would I design my life to be? Would I, would I be happy with what I'm doing? I'm like, yeah, you know, like what I'm doing right now, I'd be exactly happy with it. I think you're doing, I think you're in the same boat, man. Yeah. We're living you know? the dream. We're yeah, we're, like really I, making the, making the art you want. Exactly. And you know, when I go to your studio and see you've got all these different colored Game Boys and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. these these yeah. and the Game Boys yeah. you've now incorporated, not only are they art that you have painted, Word. you're incorporating them into your albums, mm-hmm. into your live show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually that's something. Where did that start? Where did Oh man. Where did going from playing a Game Boy and being like, you know, the music in Super Mario Land is really catchy. <laughs> I should make an album, you know, if that stuck with you. <clears throat> So, I mean, I was I was into circuit bending for a long time, and I was into circuit bending under the. Now, what is circuit bending okay. for anyone? Right. Who yeah. is, I mean, there is a circuit breaker who is a female character from the Transformers comic of the eighties, oh. but we don't need to go there. Was she good looking too? She was. She was yeah, kind of fly, like, right? Kind of that yeah. like rock set blonde I'm, hairdo, and like her her costume was just. Um, like microchip items. I, I have that comic still, dude. Yeah, she was <clears> weird, <throat> and she's owned by Marvel, so oh, dang. Hasbro can't use her for anything. Oh, dang. Side note, because we always have to talk about comic and books. And we always want to see way. that action figure. <laughs> I, I would love to hold that action for figure. It. But, okay, circuit bending, what is it? Okay, so basically, basically you open up a toy, and you you touch different parts of the circuit together until it makes a funny noise and then you solder those bits together and you can put in switches you know have different buttons did and you all just sorts start of... doing that as a kid sort of taking apart <clears throat> toys and figuring it out i've always see my my pops was a was an electrician and so he always had electronic stuff lying around which i he didn't really teach me how to mess with them but i think it got over this like fear element of like being afraid of like you know like putting things together and messing with it so I had been actually one of my friends I was in a band with when I was a, when I was a bunch younger had had been taking toys and putting like a guitar jack on them so he could play them through like a sound system I was like that's amazing right yeah. so I started looking at that and started doing that myself and then started messing with the, the chips and coming up with like weird stuff and we used to call it pop and chips which is another ah, ironic there you go we used to call it pop and chips that's right and I love pop and chips so and there's the yeah. song yeah, pop and chips friends, right yeah so, yeah <laughs> yeah burner in the building dude. so yeah so and then that and then I was on tour and I ended up in Fresno now this is the first time we were talking earlier about Grim Image now I'd, I'd met the people pre-Grim Image the people who, who started Grim Image it was right? an indie record label which is an indie record label out of they put out Loved Ones your record right they put out no that was actually uh, So-So at oh, okay. Close Horse sorry which is which did, another mega homie word up yeah, yeah. and Niles worked on that too Niles yeah man yeah. Niles and Niles oh, is in yeah. Toronto right and now and that was an album of just one minute songs right? one minute songs yeah. yeah some of them are like a minute and two seconds but yeah that was an artistic <laughs> endeavor hey, hey. No. Yeah, but sorry, Grim Image. Uh, anyway, so Grim Image, uh, which I want to put out Loved Ones again because it sold out. I want to put it on a vinyl or something. Like that. Anyways, um, oh dang, you got that there too, Nardwa. Oh dang, <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like shout out Nardwa. Zock no. said the same thing. I'm like, look, this is my homie. I got my homie CDs. It's you know my my shelf here. What can I do? You know, Dude. I don't throw out my homie's albums. So Grim Image. Oh yeah, sidebar. This is what we do on the yeah, weekend. You yeah. know, people know. People yeah. have been listening. They know this is how we chill on the weekend. So yeah. it's all good, man. It's all good. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, I was I was going to basic. I was on tour in like I played like San Diego and some other places, and so I was there and I was on tour with a bunch of dudes, and I ended up at like two max and stuff because you were linking with two max. I, I actually at this point I had already I, I had been staying with two max a lot at this point, but uh, this tour. 
I think the only guy I saw that time was Cholalan Cinco. Yeah, so OMD, which like much love to those guys. Like OMD was like a big, big influence on my life. Uh, this Tumex and Cholalan Cinco, um, and I used to go and stay with those guys. <laughs> That's on some weird stuff, which too. is weird. Because I met Circus at Scribble Jam a bunch of years ago. And you were a huge shapeshifters. Fan. I was a huge shapeshifters fan, and he was there with all the Anticon guys, and I had just been introduced to like all the Anticon guys, and then they were like you're going to do album covers for us. I was like, okay. And like, and I was hanging out with those guys and like, I just, I, you know, deep puddle dynamics I'd had for basically like a year and a half before that on tape, like an elite, like, you know, an early down, like a version that I shouldn't have had. Like someone gave me through someone else, through someone else. And they had this early version. I was like, this is blowing my mind. Finally, I get to meet these guys. They're cool as hell. They want to work with me. It's amazing. And that's Combined, you know? for yourself. I mean, with your thing about your style, I know we're kind of bouncing all over the place, but this is again, this is this is how it is on the weekend. Word, word. Your word. style is really hard to pinpoint. If I were to describe you, I would almost say like there's like there's something magic about your style. Like you're very focused. You you have a flow focus, but your writing is very deliberate, and you kind of you go in places that I don't expect. But you also do that. You do the style. Like your style. Do you think it? It came from more like a West Coast influence with the flow and the and kind of the singing. Well, I mean, there there was a short time when I was trying to like drop Mad Science. You know what I mean? There, <laughs> I think that, we all were listening to, yeah, listen yeah. to that Big Talk Exa- CD. I exactly. was to that earlier, and I was like, oh man, this is like when everybody was on that super scientifical, philosophical tip. Yeah, philosophical. I, I have people I can blame for that, <laughs> but uh, but uh, no, I. Everyone goes through that, especially, you know, in your younger years and, you know. Yeah. I think, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but, like, I think I grew up, I grew up in, in, in London, like, going to the, going to hardcore punk shows, right? Which were, like, the straight edge shows you could go to when you were 16. And I was into skateboarding, but I was, and I was into skateboarding and that's how I got into that punk scene. I was actually into punk, like, kind of before I was into skateboarding, but, like, I was, anyways, but I was always into rap. And... I always imagine rap rules. Rap totally rules. Rap is the best. You know what I mean? And like, I love the energy of those hardcore shows and stuff like that. But it's not really what I would take home and like absorb or walk around in my headphones. You know, stoned or not. You know, but like, would just yeah. walk around. You know, what I mean, that's what I want to hear is rap because yeah. it it was more introspective to me even though i know the lyrics were were important in those punk songs and stuff like that. Rap there was just like it was an overload of cerebral you know, information. It's just like, cerebral. it's just like, brr, here you go. Here's all of these ideas in one song. And it references, I mean, rap is, rap is beautiful, man. It's, it's it, even, even taking samples, even the idea of take, I mean, to me, that's almost more punk than punk. You know what I mean? Stealing. You're like, I mean, I know 100%. people pay for samples in a lot of ways, but a lot of people flip a sample and there's just basically stolen music. And to me, like that's, that's, contributing that's like an almost like a that's like an element of anarchy in a little bit like we're gonna steal this thing we're gonna take this thing and we're gonna make this and 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 also the message is generally un you know is it's against the system or something like that in a sense so to me as a, at a young age i was like to me almost like rap music is almost more punk than like buying your guitar from yamaha and like playing <laughs> it and you know what i mean and this yeah. kind of thing it's like this is like using what we have here and we're like you know and, and back then you do with what you've got you got a mic you got do- a radio shack tape deck whatever you're gonna do you're gonna like i was making pause button loops with like two tape decks and a my parents old record player Unreal, like that's how dude. i started right? yes exactly but what you said exactly. just real quick about the punk and like how the lyrics you're just bombarded with this all these ideas at once mm-hmm. it's true i mean i tell people a lot it's like you, your average rap song 
has way more lyrics you gotta than write any other song. <clears throat> Punk, like any other form of music with, with lyrics, can be so potent and so perfect. But like rap kind of always has to be the whole way through. When you bombard people and yeah. you pack a lot into into your tracks. <clears throat> Word. Well, thank you. Thank you. Can I touch on something that we talked about? Yes. Like not I mean I so I, I don't I don't my origin, I don't know. I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. It's I'm just I'm in the underground, you know. <laughs> I don't even I don't know, know what I'm doing. I don't know what just, I'm doing. You're just but, yourself and you're creating and we're making we're making this happen and uh, I couldn't describe. I don't know what the hell but I'm doing. But to touch on an idea that we, <laughs> to touch on an idea that we just sort of like I just want to keep going with because it, it almost like goes back to what we were talking about before. Yeah. Sorry to like when you're talking about making do with what we have that's almost where the circuit bending thing came into also was this idea of like people in hip-hop are like i'm gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna dance we're gonna dance on cardboard that we find out you know like it's all this kind of stuff you can find in your garage basically you know spray paint you know what i mean or like you can just find this stuff you know it's like spray paint i'm gonna do my art form with spray paint the most like you know not at the time like that wasn't intended for art at all it was intended for spray painting like who knows your barbecue or your bike or whatever you know and like this kind of idea of like you know rap is just basically something you can do over beatboxing or some guy knocking on a table you know and then it came but then the beats also came from a turntable which is not intended to be an instrument it's intended to play something that's created by instruments right so for me i was taking these things that are like these toys they're not intended to be instruments and turning them into instruments you know so it's this kind of thing like it's the same thing I, i saw that I don't know what you call that, but that mirror, in a sense. And I was like, it makes sense that those should be a part of what I'm doing with my music. It was something you loved that was in your life and that you had a familiarity with. And yeah, you want to incorporate it into that creation. It's amazing. Definitely. So <clears throat> so I was on this tour in Fresno, and I met this guy, uh, Odom Relic. And we were basically stuck in a house for like a couple days. And that's a whole other crazy thing. But uh, good. a lot of crazy missions yeah. and crazy tangents that are all coming back it, it, together. Exactly. So keep it going. Yeah, exactly. Keep it going. So, so this dude, Odom Relic, was like, I was like, well, I'm, he's like, I make all these toys and I turn them into stuff. And I was like, really? I was like, I've been doing the same thing, but like not that good or whatever. And he's like, check out all this stuff on the internet. And he showed me all these websites that he's a part of and all these different things where he was circuit bending, but actually turning them into like legitimate objects and things you know like that you could play and stuff and i was like this is what i've been this is what i've been trying to do for a long time so excuse me beer burp but that, that <laughs> having a good time at Bergie. <laughs> it's actually just grape soda don't worry that's why i like it <laughs> you got any of those choco donuts there? oh nice oh, thanks. i knew it thanks, the gi joe thank the gi joe the, the gi joe references keep like, going yeah Jesus is one of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Album sales just skyrocketed <laughs> by two. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, what's actually funny, you mentioned this like genre stuff, all these different ideas, because um, I remember at one of the straight edge, you know, the hardcore shows I used to go to, like a lot of these kids were straight edge and I, I totally wasn't. I'd be at them kind of drunk, probably a little bit, you know, on something else or whatever, but having yeah. a good time. But I remember one time saying to one of these kids was like, yo, we got all these bands coming down from like Syracuse. It's going to be dope. It's going to be awesome. And I was like, actually, I'm going to to see a rap show with this band called Topsoil. And the guy was like, rap sucks. How could you be going to see a rap show? And I was like, dude, I've been in love with rap forever. And like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I was like, I actually kind of stopped. I remember like that being this point where I was like, wow, these dudes are not like, because the whole straight edge scene was supposed to be like pretty open-minded and stuff, which it is. Of course, but like, yeah, yeah. But it was like, 
it was kind of like, I was just like, oh, wow, you guys are dicks, actually. I'm like going to the rap show. And he's like, it's all about smoking weed. It's all about. And I was like, dude, wow, you're a total asshole. Because first of all, the Topsoil stuff, which was like Governor Bolt's group, was very creative rap. Yeah. Especially yeah, for, sure. for back then. You know? And like, I don't know. It's just weird for some straight edge guy to be like, you can't go to these shows. Well, that's, you know, and I was like, what? Just because I skate and I, I was vegan at the time too, right? I was vegan forever, right? Which is interesting too. And I was going to these vegan straight edge shows because that was something I grew up with. My mom was vegetarian and like, so I grew up just like 14 year old vegan. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I was 14. Actually, (laughs) I was like like 12 year old vegan basically, (laughs) but no, I I didn't go full vegan until later, but like I was vegetarian for sure. Well, I mean, look at the type of rap I make. I mean, I get, I get people all the time being like, that's pretty weird shit. You know what I mean? Like all the time, yeah. you know, or like that's not real rap or this kind of thing. Or, you know, not all the time, but every once in a while, someone who's very uneducated often in like where rap has come from and good West Coast rap and good and experimental East Coast rap and all this kind of stuff like that. Like I'll have people, I remember giving my rap to like kids I was in school with and them being like, oh, it just doesn't sound like proper, like, I don't know, it just, they don't get it. Like well, even it's an art form that's evolving constantly, and if it, you know, you don't want more that just sounds like the same, right? So you're going to just keep creating, and... Well, the interesting thing about rap is that there is more, there is as many genres, maybe even just as many, or maybe even more, as in, like, what we would call, like, rock and roll or whatever, like, everything from, like, you know, like, real rock and roll, like, Chuck Berry stuff, to, like, you know, what... ACDC became, you know, is course, to, to, yeah. to like, you know, um, metal to like, you know, punk and all this kind of, I mean, that happens in yeah, rap, you but the country, problem, you got folk, you, you exactly. got indie, you got whatever. Yeah. You know, you got like, you know, math rock, you got everything, you know what I mean? Whereas like, I think that all exists in rap, but the problem is, is that like, first of all, a lot of that stuff wasn't around when rap was making tons of the money there was basically like you got your dance rap like mc hammer kind of stuff and you got your gangster rap and then you know you got this sort of conscious thing on the side like karis one like you know um public and it's like after that it's like all this underground stuff starts blowing up but that's almost when there was no money for record labels to you know and record labels which the ones that are putting genres out there to establish different things to create money you know and and so there's all this stuff that's going on in underground rap that's just uncategorizable you know i mean people just lump it in with like experimental rap underground rap art rap worse names than that that i don't even want to get into you know what i mean like you can you can call it whatever you want but you know even like the nerd rap label is interesting too i mean kind of makes sense in a lot of ways but like it's also kind of not really right you well know? and nerd rock if you say like right. we we're talking about weezer earlier like is, people consider that, weezer nerd rock oh, really? but then it's okay. like well okay but it used to be skate rock when i was a little kid well exactly you know what i mean it's like for constantly the first album, shifting you know, like, and people are just gonna label it whatever they however they associate it. right and that's you know whatever call it whatever you want if you like it great i don't really care yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly you know yeah. you whatever uh, I did want to touch on real quick because before the end, mm-hmm. I love that record of yours. Thank you. Thank and you. And you're talking about styles. When you did that record, and if people listening haven't heard it yet, go listen to it. You were really experimenting more with like the Game Boy and mm-hmm. like some electro sounds. Mm-hmm. There's that song, uh, Girls and Boys End. Girls oh, yeah, and okay. Boys End. Right. And that to me is, <clears throat> it sounds like this should be on some sort of teen movie soundtrack from the 80s. Yeah. And that's that's was that your idea of well, I mean, I've always been a fan of like of that era, you know what I mean? For me, like I grew up skateboarding and like you know, watching that movie thrashing like all the time, (laughs) you know what I mean? And I think there's even like Devo songs and like all these other different, you know, so like in Transformers and all that kind of stuff, you know, all those that kind of music, like so it's got this 
there's like this part of like, and my friend Matt Field, and we always talk about this all the time. Um, this idea of like art that is kind of almost point of like bad, but it's really good. And it's this wavering line of like maybe cheesy, but maybe actually it's hit it right on the lo-fi synth sound and stuff. I know it's, I know it's, I know it is hip in a lot of different ways right now, but like, honestly, like I've just been into that stuff my whole entire life and it's never going to go away. So, uh, but that one song in particular, uh, girls and boys and the writing, I mean, the writing comes from a really, like a, a lot of different places, but musically, um, it's this guy uh link lincoln cushman actually and he's from london ontario and he was in a band called the weekend a long time ago not the not the weekend that's the popular weekend right now but this uh like a sort of pop punk weekend band that kind of blew up in like thailand and stuff like that and not the, the weekend at Burgies. not not the weekend at Burgies, brother no it comes, it's coming back full circle so he gave me that beat but i chose it and like i told him what i wanted and he came up with some stuff and and he had he I don't know if he had it perfect. Premix. You guys hit the note perfectly. Yeah. Shout out to perfectly. him. Perfectly. That, so, that song. But that yeah. song is is an interesting thing, you know, girls and boys and and it's like I was actually um in a relationship with somebody who, you know, is genderqueer and like, you know, it, which is like I've been in relationships with people like this before and stuff like that. So it's not like a new thing for me. Um so it's just like there's a lot of different things in there. There's like I'm I'm saying you know he wins the girl and then the movie ends. He wins the girl and then the movie ends and you know so like uh, and then girls and boys and girls and boys and you know what I mean. So instead of using like a genderless term, I'm just like saying I'm just it's just you know sure, so yeah. that's the deeper meaning of what's going on there in that writing that I'm just gonna say you know because why not you know yeah. but um. So it's a great song. So that's what great... that's where the writing came from, and like, I'm sort of like referencing this idea of like safe times, you know, like um, we we like worrying about because I mean I worry right now, <laughs> and I worried five years ago, and I worried ten years ago, and I worried twenty years ago, you know, about the end. So before the end, right, and it's on the album before the end, right. So it's like all of these ideas of worrying about the end. Right. And, and, and I talk about that a lot in the song. Like we laugh about, we laugh, right. We look back and we laugh about worrying about the cold war. We look back and laugh at worrying about, you know, um, the first Iraq shit. We look back and worry about the second fucking Middle East stuff. But now we're, now we're worried about ISIS. You know what I mean? Like, check it out, motherfucker. We're here again. We're still worried. You know what I mean? And before that, in the Middle Ages, they were worried. You know what I mean? And and so it's about that too, you know? So it's about all that. And it's about my, my relationship and the person, the person I was with for, you know, five years, um, at that point. And like, there's a lot of other stuff about that same relationship in that album that are, like pleasant songs in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I, I write kind of in a coded way in a lot of ways. And, and it's just, it's sometimes unfortunate because even sometimes the people that I'm writing like a love song for have no idea that it's about them, which has happened. And it's on that album, you know, and people have no idea and that's fine, you know, and it's happened on a lot of different albums. And, um, but I just write in this coded way that I, that I feel other people can get something from you know and that's just how I, I you know it's not it's not intentionally hidden or coded but i like to almost have like you know two meanings in a sense that people can get like you know a duality out of something so that's kind of generally where i where i write from and that song's a good example of that so. that song's a great example of that and that whole album i felt you merged 
everything that you had done building up to that record Word. and it just came together with your rap influences with your punk influences with the songs with the the electro sounds the kind of game boy the chip tune the circuit bending what's weird about that song is i actually have i never do it live and it's kind of one of the best songs off the album and i never do it live and i'm really weird about that i have this issue with like certain songs that i pick to do live and um it's almost like sometimes the songs have so much meaning that I can't do them live. You know what I mean? And that's the pro. Like, <laughs> I actually wrote a song on that album called No More Unloved Songs, which is like I'm never writing a song about falling out of love again um, or, or a troubled relationship again, you know? And um, I was like, I'm never doing that again because I can't do those songs live i can't do them there's numerous songs off of even like wartime theme songs and and loved ones you know ladybird ladybird i can't do live anymore it's beautiful that's song. actually i've been personally like asked to never do that song live again by wow. someone who it's kind of based around you know what i mean like there's certain songs you know and like and i saw so out of respect for that person i don't do that song anymore you know go and get it, the ladybird song by thesis Abe. where by the way yeah listeners. It's, you know, I mean, that was Catchy. really... And Kills made that beat. Kills, right? man. Now, you were doing, like, a video game. You did some interesting arcade installation. You do found art pieces. You do murals. You do masks. Sometimes you'll perform in masks. Yeah, yeah. You were just in Halifax. Halifax, I was on... So I was on this little tour with Soul, one of the guys who started Anticon. Was I, later I know on Soul, Big yeah. Four. Yeah, totally. So, uh... I know you know Soul. I was just saying, check him out. I like Soul. Cool so he, guy. Yeah. Did a show with him. His, uh, yes, Got right. a couple of his records. His new nice record dude. is amazing. His new record yeah. is actually totally fantastic. Anyways, so I did that little tour that basically brought me to Montreal. And then from Montreal, I just spent like a week there just like getting incredibly drunk and like working out a lot of demons with uh, some of my graffiti homies and just like Ghostbusters? You know, yeah, yeah, with the Ghostbusters. <laughs> Bankman. No, I don't know. I was just like, anyways, I don't know. But I was just basically like getting really drunk and doing a lot of graffiti and it was the best time ever. And then I went to Halifax and basically had the other best time ever. Um, yeah, man. So I was in Halifax installing this art show that had a lot of my sound work and, and installation stuff. Paintings on the wall. Um, and I painted at the graffiti festival and I spent a lot of time surfing. I was out surfing all Lawrence the time. Town? Were you surfing Lawrence Town? I was surfing in Lawrence Town. I actually rented a house in Lawrence Town. Oh, and I, I built, man, where was I, built I? The, I should've come out with you. You should've come out, dude. I'd known this you was should've happening. come out. I want to do like a trip with like you and all the dudes. Yeah, just, we should like, do a tour next year. Let's and, work like, on it. But spend like a chunk of time in Halifax like recording something or doing we'll something hook up, we'll, we'll hook up with Beat Mason. We'll do, we'll do it up. Shout out, Mason. Shout out, Mason. I'm sorry about tagging up all the walls and all that shit. <laughs> Just sometimes I have a couple drinks and I'm outside of Ontario. I can pretty much do what I want. I'm sure he's yeah. cool with it. Anyways, I'm sure he's cool yeah. with it. So what's next for you then? What's coming up? Well, okay. So yeah, we didn't even touch on this, but I have a I have a project with um, my friend who goes by the name Funken. He's in France. He lives in a town called Tours. Did you play a show with him at Silver Dollar? Yes, yeah, he came out. He yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, you know, cool him dude. and all the French dudes came out, yeah. man, and the yeah, English dudes too. White, white, say yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I rapped in French that. Night. I think you did. I yeah. think you did. They were like, <laughs> man, that's the thing though too. They know, they know like good rap. Those guys know rap. That's the cool thing. They're just into any any kind of good music. The French people know it. Vive la France. Yeah, yeah for sure, serioso, for sure. man. No, they know it. Anyway, so. Um, 
well, it was after this tour, me and him put together this album, uh, or a little EP called Awards, like, um, and it came out from uh, a little label in France made a 10-inch vinyl piece of it, and um, that label is called <laughs> Torre, Torre Single Club. It's from a town called Torre, Torre Single Club. That's not going to help you find it. <coughs> Email me if you want it, because you know what? I don't want to Google Torre Single no, Club. No, you don't I'm want. Yeah, you'll end up. <laughs> <laughs> you'll end up either really upset or with a boner and upset. <laughs> either way, you might have a ten inch. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> a record, I mean. I'm talking oh, about ten inch record. The awards, killing it, <laughs> killing it. But uh, so that's coming out. Yeah. So that already. <laughs> It came out last tour okay. in France. No, but okay, so sorry. Yeah, that came out ages ago. But uh, we're working on the LP. I for wasn't that. in France. I know. Get it. <laughs> I missed it in France. Sorry, they didn't tell me about it. But the th- I didn't know I had to go there to get it. <laughs> okay. On that note, I'm just gonna break it down real quick. Real quick. So what's coming okay. out? What's when? What was I go? Let me tell you this though. If you order that vinyl. <laughs> If you order that vinyl, they have free shipping, which is stupid because it's only ten euros. They'll ship from it from France. Yes, I know it's dumb. It That's doesn't make any sense. Price. They got some weird grant. Let's not even question it. Let's just order it right now. Support it's only ten euros, Sahib, which is like twelve bucks French for this vinyl. It's revolution. beautiful. <laughs> it's literally a thirty. It's a revolution. Or, there you go. Yeah, you got yeah, oh, yeah brother. The okay. mathematicals. Anyways, yeah, but okay. So there's that, and then and then we put it out as, as cassette. There was only like a hundred copies in uh, North America, and I think it's all sold out. If not, there's like maybe one or two available at the end shop again. And you got well, Backburner, Backburner two. And then so I'm here this weekend yeah. at Ber- at Bergie's. Um, <laughs> yeah. The second Backburner. So I'm, I'm putting I'm putting my voice down on a few songs on that. Finally, bring it excited all home. About. Word. Thank <laughs> you for coming over. I know you're a busy man. With you got the art, you got the music, you got more recording. Word. I'm glad you swung by, man. Man, it's an it's honor. Great thank episode. You. Thank you for having for me. I, you know, I heard your so blog, good. and I was like, man, Bergie's at it again, doing something else crazy. If it's not Grandpa's <laughs> funny book, it's goddamn Cobra <laughs> Island, and now he's got his, his blog. It's stupid, man. Let me on. <laughs> Word. Word up, man. No, well, a, you got to come back, man, next time, anytime you roll through. It's an honor. You know, Thank you, you. Always come by. Thank you, brother. We'll post some G.I. Joes in action. <laughs> in action <laughs> situations. <laughs> Dang, dude. Uh, okay. Peace. Peace. We had a band name. We were the band forever. Image and artwork before we had the instruments. So clever, so clever. We'll choose a handsome voice to lead us there. Oh, 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 oh. Girl, then the movie.
getting light, getting yeah. numb. Just being dumb. Numb and dumb. Numb and dumber. Okay, can we do a song yeah, called that? Definitely, numb definitely. and dumber. I like it. Numb is dumber one. Numb is dumber one. Microphone check one two. What is this? Numb is dumber one. Numb is dumber one. Oh my gosh. This has been a presentation of the Modern Superior Media Network.